an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Hey, y'all, I'm Bevan. And I'm Brittany. Welcome to Be My Neighbor. Our neighborly duties are to provide real-life solutions and practices that elevate and inspire, but also remind us to not take it all too seriously. We're real-life neighbors that quickly learn that you simply cannot do it on your own, living in a competitive and fast-paced environment like New York City. Each week, we invite you into the apartment along with our metaphorical and literal neighbors to share advice on how we get through this thing called life. We don't just share the sugar. We serve up the real tea. From navigating relationships to building a career, we want you to recognize and embrace the best version of you. We want you to know that your crazy is okay. And that you're definitely not alone. Our door is always open. And we want you to know, we've We've got got your back. back. experiencing a great deal of uncertainty during this time. Many of us have been furloughed, lost jobs, moved out of cities, moved back home with our families, and recently graduated, just completely unsure of where to even begin. First things first, you are not alone. We have heard from many of you that you need help strategizing and or resetting your career trajectory at this point in your life. So we called on our dear friend, the legend herself, Margie Featherstone. If you live in New York City, there's a good chance you already know and love Margie. Margie is one of the founding partners of the New York City agency, City Staffing, and a recognized industry expert with over 30 years in the New York City staffing arena, placing candidates ranging from recent college graduates to C-suites executives and personal assistants with stellar results. She has worked with several New York universities, countless college seniors and recent grads to help prepare them for the job market with classes in resume writing, interview prep, obtaining an internship, and everything in between. Her real passion is working closely with candidates from all types of experience and skill levels to assist them in finding the right career path. Part best friend, sister, and fairy godmother, Margie always shares her honesty, knowledge, and insider tips with me to help ease my anxiety. And she is here to help us all out today. Margie, welcome. Thank you, guys. What a beautiful welcome. I enjoyed that. (laughs) I loved hearing that. It's usually tough for people to hear their life in, you know, a paragraph. It's kind of nice. Mm. You know, it's nice to hear what what other people say. And it's, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, guys. We're so happy because also Bevan introduced me to you. She had always raved about Margie, guys, forever and ever. And I'm like, who is this Margie woman? I need to really meet her. And I, I think we met, it was the day or the week that my wedding had been postponed and mm-hmm. Bevan was just taking me every single day. <laughs> right. I needed help. I all these places. I had, right. I had nothing on the calendar for the, the first time in my life because I had blocked everything out to, you know, get married. And we've met finally. And I could completely understand why, because you and I instantly clicked. We just got each other. Yeah, we did. And you really also lifted me up that week too. It was like, it was a blessing to have met you during that time and, That's the Margie gift. She does that with every single person she meets. She goes straight in. She can see you really clearly. She hears you and she just lifts you up. She's an elevator. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice to hear. I mean, that's, I have to say, the older I get, I feel like that's my secret sauce. And I, for a lot of years when I was younger, I didn't really realize that not everybody had that ability, but I love that. I've always been fascinated by people and by helping people. And when I wound up finding myself in recruiting, which is a whole other story, but I started doing it and I said, oh my gosh, this is really a home run. 
this is an opportunity for me to really assist people to see themselves Mm. and help them figure out what's next and then help put them in the right place. So I had relationships with clients and in my business, clients are the big companies and candidates are the people. That's how it's sort of discussed. Broken down. Yeah. I love doing it. I mean, I help people get to do what they love for as long as I've done it, which is over 30 years. I yeah. still I still get excited when I meet a fantastic candidate. I'm like, oh my God, I have a great job for you. I have an idea for you. You know, that's always fun. Oh, that makes it so refreshing to hear. It makes it for people that think just going to someone to help them, like to have that passion yeah. behind them too, is, is so refreshing. I think people really need somebody on their team to assist them whether it's now when we're in a situation where people are working virtually or anytime they're graduating college, a lot of what, what you said, Bevan, people need an assistant. They need somebody to really see them for who they are and help them figure out the best way to move forward. Totally. Even outside of the job search, we believe in this so much. Margie and I both share a life coach. And I think it's so important to find someone who can really see you like that and help you and be a mirror to you in a really gentle way that reminds you of the gifts you have to give and what you're going to share with the world. Exactly. And I think it also takes some bravery. I mean, really willing to look at yourself and look at what's working and looking what looking at what needs some assistance and letting somebody help you. I think that's a part mm. of that. And I think one of the things that I've done very well is I'm very honest, I'm very direct, but I'm very kind. Mm-hmm. And that's just really who I am. Let me jump right in, Margie, and ask you, you know, for the many of us that have been furloughed or have just graduated and looking to start anew, in your years of experience, where do you suggest starting? First and foremost, you got to take a look at yourself. You got to sort of get ready. And one of the things Bevan and I have been saying in, in, in preparing for this is finding a job is a job. So step one is deciding you're either looking for a new role or you recently graduated and you're looking for your first role and sort of getting your head in the right place. And that means putting a resume together, thinking about your wardrobe, those initial first steps. And the process takes a little while. And you have to be willing to put yourself in there, in the game. So first and foremost, I always tell everybody to put a basic resume together. Anybody can go on Google and look at different resumes. You can go on LinkedIn and sort of see what that is. And I'm assuming if you're at a college, there are some assistance in terms of putting one together. I do my own style of interview resumes. And depending on where you are in the process, if you're a recent graduate, Mm -hmm. Your resume is going to look very different than a resume of somebody who's been working for 10 to 20 years. Right. So when you're a recent grad, you want to put your college right at the top. So the first thing anybody sees is, oh, this person just graduated. And then everything comes below that. And if you've done some stuff in school, whether your GPA is very high or you've volunteered on different teams or sorority or fraternity or involved in certain projects, list it out there. Also, if there's coursework, that you feel would be relevant to a job you're Mm. looking for, put it on there. I have candidates who may have been an English major, but they took a lot of econ classes and math classes. And even though they weren't an econ major, it might be worthwhile to have that on their resume. Sure. And I think even before all this, I think the first thing is really working with somebody, whether it's a staffing agency or a coach or your friends or somebody at your college, it's always great to have a mentor, somebody to sort of say to you, am I doing this right? Can I help you? Let's move forward. And I think, I think it's scary to get a job. I think it can be very, very intimidating. 
And putting the first resume together is is really important. It can always change. So if you are somebody that maybe has had a full career in something else and you're in this period of time and you've decided that you want to move into an entire new field, how do you suggest they take their experience and pivot that so that it's applicable to the new position? Well, you know what? One of the things that I've been suggesting to candidates from the get-go is almost putting headlines at the top of their resume. So let me backtrack for a minute. First of all, we're all working virtually. There is nobody that's meeting anybody in person. And anybody who looks at a resume might look at a resume for like three to 10 seconds and sort of say yes or no, right? So in those first few seconds, we want to grab them. So the first things that they read have to be very relevant. So a lot of times I'm telling people right at the top to almost say, give a sentence or two about who you are. Like Margie Strauss, 30 years in the human resources staffing industry. And then I might have headlines, things that I do that relate to the job I'm applying to. Okay. Got it. So this is on your resume. On your resume. Okay. So if you're, let's say you're at home and you're looking at jobs online and you see a job that you're really interested in and you don't have all the skills or, or you're changing industries, but there are things that are sort of buried in your experience. I might bring those to the top. I might use some of the words they put in their job description right at the top of your resume so that they continue to read. That's so okay. smart. Love That's it. the key. We want to keep people interested and in reading. We don't want people to say no. And to that point, a lot of times I'm really advising candidates not to put their home address. If the job is in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is easy to get to from New York, and they see somebody lives there, that they may just automatically exclude them. Put your right. name, put your email address, and your phone number. I want candidates to have as many opportunities as possible because that's how you get to sift through and make a decision as to what feels right. So if everybody, if your dance card is full and everybody wants to meet you, a couple of things. One, it looks good online. People are responding to it. Mm. Two, you get lots of opportunities to go on an interview. So that gives you a lot more opportunity. And that's really the goal, certainly initially, when you're re-entering the job force. When you're re-entering or just starting. We want to know, like we think if we, Bevan and I were public about 10 years ago. If Facebook, Instagram existed. Yeah. When we were, you know, when we were going through college, et cetera, web shots, MySpace, all those different things. Right. We don't think we would have ever been hired. No one would have hired me. Okay. So we want to know, because we understand the vital aspects and we want to get more into the nitty gritty of that, of the resume too. But as someone who sees this and you know is a part of this business, how important is your public profiles and, and what should your future employers want to find out about you? That's what we want to make sure because we know a lot of people are, maybe they're public on Instagram, maybe they're public on LinkedIn. How important are those factors? Okay. That's such a great question. And it becomes more and more relevant in this day and age. When I started in the business, nobody even had a Facebook profile or anything along those lines. And then over the years people's names and handles from like sexy mama 24, like (laughs) needed to change, you know, but that's a really good question. So I think it's really important to know that every, every possible employer is going to look at your profiles, your social media. Mm -hmm. So anything that you have that you feel is really personal and really fun and really out there, make it private. Right. So my picture probably shouldn't be me chugging a bottle of wine like it is right now. It absolutely shouldn't. <laughs> okay, That's great. Right. Noted. But I do think 
some of the things where you're out with friends and you're having a good time or you're volunteering or you're being social or you're with your family or you're walking your dog, that's all great. That's all fine. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're dressed appropriately. You're not looking overtly sexual. You're not doing something where somebody makes a judgment about who you are. Right. You know, right. Um, so, yeah, that's really important. That's a good question. So it is important to make that stuff private. I'm with you on that because as someone who receives probably 10 to 15 resumes a week, the girls that are interested in the TV space, the PR space, all of that, the first thing I do is actually go on their profiles and see who they are. And some of them have them blocked. Some of them do not. You know, in my industry, I do want to see if you have an aesthetic and if you're fun and if you're you're in the finance industry, that might not be the key. No one cares about your beautiful, sexy beach photo and and wants to hire you. I know that you can connect with people, you you know, and that you have a life, that you're not somebody who's alone, that you have a life, but they want to make sure that that you can be professional. That's the key. And I, I think the process, certainly with, with recent grads, is making sure that they understand what professional means and professional for different is very different for different industries and how to really provide that for the potential employer. And would you say LinkedIn is one of the most important social profiles to have, even if you are still graduating school? Absolutely. Okay. And it's interesting because one of the things that's coming up for me when I work with candidates is, you know, as we're working together and we're, we're maybe editing and reworking some of the resumes and, and stuff, making sure the LinkedIn profile mirrors what's on that resume with the exact dates. I've had candidates just by, just by a virtual mistake where they, they had a wrong date or a wrong month oh. on their LinkedIn that was different from their resume. And that's a problem. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, you have to make sure that everything lines up and it's all the same. So it creates yeah, a sense important. of like distrust, right? Almost, I think, right if you were to see that, you'd Absolutely. be like, are you telling the truth? I don't know. That's right. Going back to the resume a little bit, we all know that we stretch things just a little. How far can you really stretch in terms well, of experience? Huh. That's a tough one. I think everybody wants to position themselves and put themselves in the best light. And I think it's okay and actually better to have more than one version of your resume, meaning you're applying to different jobs, right? So for instance, Brittany, if somebody was applying more to the PR piece of what you're doing or that they want to handle that, I would put more of the PR stuff and I'd focus that in terms of the bullets, where they are on the resume, right? as opposed to more of the TV stuff. So, and I think people should have different versions of their resume, but I do think dates are always checkable. You cannot lie about your dates. Yeah. Cannot. Can you highlight different skills? Absolutely. Yeah. And I always feel on a resume... You really want to think about, as we started to talk earlier, is that you want to keep people reading. So the first couple of bullets really want to draw somebody in. And oftentimes, you want those bullets to relate to either a specific job they're applying to, or if they're a recent grad, sort of like, sort of a big picture. Hi, I have great administrative skills. I know what it's like to be in an office environment. You can hire me. Your resume has to keep saying, hire me, hire me, hire me. Is there a place that you recommend going after a template for or modeling something after for those that maybe can't afford a recruiter right now or something that you've seen? I think there's a lot. I can't speak to any one specific. I think there's a lot of good templates out there. And if you Google it, you could find them. And then I know from for myself, you know, if you work with me in my agency, I may say to you, wow, I love the way your resume looks. I want to tweak it a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. You want to work with somebody. If you're working with somebody who's a recruiter, they will sort of guide you in terms of positioning that. And certainly somebody can always reach out to me and I can certainly say, listen, if you're applying to this, this should be in the, in the forefront. This should right. be. But I think there are a lot of good templates for resumes and thank you notes and cover letters. I think there's something to be said for being concise, having some humor and being direct. I think a lot of times what I'm seeing in resumes and cover letters specifically, and thank you notes as well, people just go on and on. Mm. Now, you have to remember, you want to be appropriate and you want to hit the point and then say thank you. Yeah, I'm sure if you're looking at these resumes every day too, all the fluff becomes very in your face and you're like, I I can't even look at this. And you throw a resume out before maybe even see the content because there's just so much stuff. You know what's so interesting? That's a really good point. And you know what's so interesting to me because I look at resumes all day, every day, you know, and from, you know, running specific ads for our own jobs and I have a ton of referrals. So I look at resumes all the time. And sometimes it's the thing that sticks out that maybe a language skill or something they did over the summer or the fact that they're an athlete Mm -hmm. or, you know, something else besides the resume that sort of draws me in that makes me go, Hmm, this person, there's more to this person than what's on this resume. I want to meet this person. I, I, you know what? I have a sixth sense for that a lot of times. And I'm sure you probably do too, Brittany, because you've now seen so many resumes, you kind of get clear as to what's going to work for your industry. What isn't, but just in terms of meeting good people, I kind of get a sense, and I think it's really okay to have a little personal space about who you are. Sometimes the younger people I see, some of their resumes are like, you know, um, they'll put down like, you know, hobbies, and it's really relevant and it's really yeah. sweet. One person put like, you know, New York City foodie, you know, and I just was mm-hmm. like, wow, what makes you a New York City foodie? Like, you yeah. want to have something that makes people want to talk to you. Yeah, you never know, underestimate that. Honest, it's all about people and connection. Right. The girls that I've hired and the girls that have really stuck out to me, and again, in my industry, they always had a little something that went the extra mile. That's right. Whether they had created a blog themselves, had profiled all of, you know, New York City Fashion Week, had had put something together that went the extra mile and didn't just show because a lot of them didn't have crazy experience. You know, maybe they did scoop yogurt. Maybe they were a lifeguard. I was all of those things. Maybe they were a server, all of those things. You know, I had those and I was looking back at old resumes and I did have, I think, server at my college restaurant. You know, I did have that on one of my professional, I was going to work at Elite Traveler Magazine and that was on that resume. But it says a lot about you. It does. I made myself sound like the best fucking server in all of Ohio and also put all of the other things because I helped with their marketing. I helped with their accounting sometimes, like doing different things for the I owner. Think that's really relevant. You know, and I think, you know, it, it, it's funny that you say that. I always love resumes, people who have been waiters and waitresses and working in retail stores. Yes. You know what? Those people are on their feet. They've got great customer service skills. They're working for minimum wage and they're hustling. That's it. That is a great life skill. Yep. It's interesting. My mom, when I was a kid, you know, I was 15. My mom was like, okay. My mom ran a company. She's like, okay, go get a job. Go get a job. I, I also had a million of those weirdo kinds of jobs that have all kind of connected at the end of the day, yes. you know, because you're sort of like, you can do this, you can do that. You can do this, you can do that. And it sort of leads you to the next thing. And I think there's something to be said for people who aren't afraid to roll up their sleeves and kind of jump in. 
Exactly. You know, it's so funny. Even as I like pitch myself for anything now, I always am very clear about the fact that I was on a television show, went to grad school, waited tables before I started anything else. I was so proud of the fact that I was willing to hustle and do whatever it took to get what I wanted. I want people to see that about me. And I think that it's going to draw people in that are like-minded and put me in the right position. I agree. And sometimes that's not necessarily a skill under a specific job you have on your resume. We all know that's very important and we want to have it on there, but we also want to have those other things so that people who are looking at your resumes go, huh, this girl's been working since she was, oh, she was a work, I see work study kids or I see college athletes. I love it. Yeah. They have to maintain a GPA. They're hustling in the gym all day and they have a job. Those are my people. I want those people. And I know you mentioned something in our preliminary call about active adjectives. Can you explain a little bit about what that means and how that might differentiate yourself on a resume? The reason why I asked that is because a girl who was amazing put a job on her resume and I had no clue what she was doing for her job. But then after speaking with her on the phone, she explained what she did there. I was like, oh, this all makes sense. Wow, it's incredible. But she did such a poor job. That's a great question asking about active adjectives. I think even before we talk about adjectives, candidates need to feel good about who they are and they need to really get clear. This is what I can offer. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm willing to do. And a lot of times, like in every industry, you got to fake it a little bit till you make it. So I think it's really important to get clear what you can offer. And on a resume, those adjectives describe who you are and what you're doing. So, you know, responsible for, able to, you know, pitched in with, accommodated, managed. I can't think of any, any of them. All the things that you actually did, but making it sound like the most professional things. And then obviously explaining those in a call if you were to get a call. But yeah, making putting those at the front. I think that that's the best thing to do because like you said before, you want to stand out and you want to boast a little bit about yourself. You you have to boast a little bit. You absolutely have to. And it was interesting because Bevan and I had a call earlier. I had a candidate that was referred to me very bright, graduate degree, 10 solid years of work experience. And in my conversation, I had looked at her resume prior to speaking to her and she was using very specific descriptive words to her industry that really didn't translate to normal English. So I sort of like, she had weird titles and I sort of was trying to get a sense of like, what is it that you do? And can you break it down? And finally, you know, after a few minutes of sort of pulling teeth a little bit, I said to her, give me your 10 second elevator pitch. And she was frozen. And I said to her, that's really important. You need to be able to tell anybody and everybody who you are, what you've done, what you're looking for. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to sound in a certain way. It doesn't have to be spoken in. Right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. I mean, I think all of us can talk about the ways that we have gotten very clear about what it is that we contribute, what it is that we're good at. What are your tips for discovering who you are and what you contribute? Margie, is it a life coach? Is it friends? Is it? I think it's all of the above. I think that's actually a great question. And one of the things that I do is on my phone, I carry a little diary and I write down thoughts, feelings, things people say that sort of remind me of whatever it is I'm working on. So I think it's great to have that, to kind of go back to that. You know, we talked about this too, like even just 
when people tell you something about yourself, when they're like, oh my gosh, you're an elevator, you're a light person, you bring so much joy into the room, making a little note of that in your phone, keeping it somewhere and kind of coming back to that stuff later, just starting to pay attention to what people are saying to you about who you are, all the positive things. And deciding yeah, which ones resonate. Really, I think that's really relevant. And I think, you know, your elevator pitch comes back to that. That's where it starts. The kernel is, who am I? I am a people person connecting people. You know, you want to start with what you are. And from there, you take it. And it really doesn't have to be long. It can be one or two sentences. Once you get clear as to what you think you're looking for, then it's easier to ask for it and find it. And also, would you say that those characteristics, while you could throw them a little bit into the resume, would that go more in your cover letter to sort of describe? Both. Okay. Go on both. Okay. I think, you know, it's so funny. I have a whole list of adjectives that I think are really helpful in talking about yourself and in putting together on a resume. Oh, Margie, can we have that list and we can give it to the people? Yes, Yes. we can. We can put that up on on Patreon if you want to see those things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's great to have those kinds of things where you just sort of, you know, another adjective, you know, another word for like, Putting together, you know, you sometimes need those and you and on a resume, you don't want it to be repetitive. So I think the best thing to do is look at some good resumes, which I can also share. That'd be great. I also wanted to ask about just in terms of and things that just really get me because I look at something as a whole, like spelling errors. I can't fucking stand spelling errors. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel, Brady. Sorry. I just it's like (laughs) beyond. And one time I actually misspelled an employer's name for a contract, for a commission. This is, I'd already been interning, but I was bringing clients to her and she was a very scary woman, but whatever. I misspelled her name on that That's contract. That's why you misspelled it because she was very scary. <laughs> yes. And, but I couldn't believe I did because I, I it was just, it was, and it will never again. And in PR, it's like a cardinal rule, like misspelling or just saying the wrong name or pitching the wrong reporter or editor. How important are spelling errors, formatting, fonts all being the same somewhat? Very, very important. Yeah. And that's something that we do in that as sort of like a, at the end of the day, I read every thank you note, every letter of candidates. I'm like, you know what? They're like, I'm ready to write a thank you. Note. I'm like, you can't send it till one of us reviews it. I just feel like it's so imperative. And then there are times where I love the letter. I'm like, but I hate the font. Yeah. Or it's too small or even just, Sometimes people's resumes look great, but the formatting is off. You know, there's just so much yeah. that you have to really think about. And and even more now, because it's also virtual. So it's like, you are you don't even know who else is out there applying, which is maybe even a better thing. If you knew how many people, maybe that would be yeah. daunting. Right. But I think really being consistent and confident, those are important when, whenever you're interviewing and putting your information out there in the world. Yeah. And if you can't afford someone like you to assist with these things, I always suggest sending it to your family or friends to get that second eye on something. I am free to candidates. They do not pay me. Clients pay me. Oh, that's right. Amazing. Companies pay me to find them people. Got it. Got it. So So candidates get my help and service for free. Unbelievable. I, that's good to know. I, I that, that was my mistake in saying that, you know, in hiring people or consulting and things like that. But that's so, so helpful because I would have never, maybe my school had the career okay. services center yeah. and they were okay, but my school was in Ohio. So I knew I always wanted to be in New York and it was one of the top business schools and everyone was going for accounting, accounting, accounting. And I was like, I, I want to be in PR and TV. I don't want to do this. Stuff. Why, why the fuck am I going to this job fair right now? I'm 
I can, right. you know, so it's just something where being able to know those things and just to get that resource, I always suggest to people, don't just do it yourself, give it to somebody else, have someone look over it, talk to someone like you who has those years of expertise, because you're really, you're not the expert, <laughs> you know, you are the expert. And I think sometimes when you look at something over and over and over again, you lose something. Mm-hmm. You, something. You, you, have, you need somebody else to go, Oh my God, you're right. I missed that. Or that's a say, or let's move this sentence or you have two words that you're using the same word in three sentences. No, you've got to like change that. So you definitely need somebody to another pair of eyeballs for sure. And I think, you know, something Brittany and I always talk about and Margie, we were talking about this yesterday too, is not being afraid to ask for help. Ask everyone. Do not be afraid to ask for help. You only look silly when you do not try. You do not look silly when you try. The girls that stand out to me are the ones that reach out. And a lot of this stuff now is through Instagram, where that was never before. And I I grappled with the fact I was like, oh, do I like this outreach through Instagram? Right. Right. Not really professional. I don't know. But now it doesn't bother me as much if the candidate is persistent and has done their research. Instagram isn't going away. Right. It's not going away. So whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's through Instagram, and it still sounds very good. You know, it's not something that was just thrown together. It's more of someone who's done their research, is interested in the field, wants to maybe work together, and then asks for an email to follow up with. I'm great with that because I it, love that as yeah, well. It shows the persistence. It shows that I would love to to learn more. I would love to be of assistance in some way. Is there a good email to contact you with? And then, you know, you may not get a response. I we try, Bev and I both try to respond to everyone, but at least there's you're going the extra mile to really show your potential employer that you want the job. You want it. I think that's a great idea. And one of the things going back to recent grads that I did when I when I first got out of school was, you know, I had a lot of people willing to open doors and make contacts for me. Can you talk to this person? Can you talk to that person? And it's funny. I don't think so many young people are doing that as much. And I think that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. I think it's yes. really important to talk to any and everyone for many reasons. One, you get your story together. You get to practice who you are and saying it to somebody. And at the very least, you get to sort of say, thank you so much for your time. Is there someone else you think I should be speaking with? Can you give me another name? I really appreciate this insight. How can I move forward with this? And then what I did was I put an entire list together of all these contacts. And when I did land a job, I sent out an email to everybody, thanking them for their time. I let them know where I was. And how they can get in touch with me. And I and that was my first Rolodex of like, oh, these are my people. Okay. They all took the time to meet with me. Yes. Maybe they're going to come back and ask me something and I'm going to be able to give them, do a favor for them. That's how business works, right? I right. love that. And even with people that, you know, have been working in the industry for a long time and are concerned about relocating too. Making outreach to all of your contacts and asking for a call or setting up a call with them to ask for recommendations, even if it's not in your exact field, is so, so vital and important because relationships, especially in the job industry, are everything. And if one person likes you, 
they're going to tell the next person, you know, you should really hire her. She's, she's great. She doesn't really work for me, but I think she'd be perfect for your company. And we've had such a great experience, even just talking back and forth. So you're right in saying that I haven't seen as many people make outreach like that, maybe because they're scared, maybe because they think they're bothering people. People think that they don't want to bother people. They don't want to be, they don't want to call on their favor. They don't want to bother people. But the thing is, the more swings you take, (laughs) the more you are to actually hit the ball, right? Right. Yeah. And people are actually willing to help. I found more often than not, people want to connect. I agree. And you said something earlier in one of your earlier emails, podcasts, I'm sorry, Brittany, that you said, you know, like you have no fear. You just pick up a phone and you call. And I think that's a real skill. And I think you lose nothing by sending an email or making a connection or making a contact. You know, you can think about the words. What's the words you can say? Sorry, can't help you. Right. Yeah, that's through years and years of being told no in the PR industry and being told this is not going to work. But somehow I always stayed connected to those editors and those producers. I mean, I I use just the example of the Today Show alone. I was not even able to, no one even would respond to any email for years and years and years. And I thought I'd put together some pretty good pitches. You know, I really did. Nothing, but kept trying at it, checking in every few weeks coming up with new ideas for them that could maybe work. And then eventually I was quote unquote hired, you know? So it's really that follow-up that's so important and not having the fear of being told the word no or, or just the non-response and essentially would be a no, you know? So people take it personally. It. That's the right. problem. That no one gets back to when you. When no one gets back to you, it's a personal attack on you. And that's not the case. Like we've got to take our ego out of it a little bit and be willing to just say, this is who I am. I'm a connecting person. I'm here to, you know, be of service to this world. You got to switch the way you think about presenting yourself. It is so personal and it is so scary whenever you're looking for a job. And I think you got to own that and then you got to get past it. And whether it's talking to friends, talking to mentors, talking to former bosses, talking to associates, putting it out there, that's how you get over it. Because Looking for a new job can be one of the scariest things. It's like moving or having a baby or doing all those big momentous things in your life. They're scary, but you still move through it and you've got you've to gotta feel good about it. And you've got to be willing to take information and feedback and utilize it and mm. process it. I think one of the things that I love to do is really advise somebody. I'm really good at it. I think first and foremost... I want people to feel good about who they are. And the fact that they're different from the next person is even better. I think that's everybody's unique and can offer different things. And I want them to help them focus on how to sell themselves. And I love working with college campuses and and talking to recent grads and helping them sort of put their first resume together and, and get out there. It's always easier to get a job from a job, right? You know, guys. Right. Once you get one job, you kind of go, okay. Now I can get another job. And the same thing with potential employers. They look at a resume and they'd much rather see somebody who's still working than someone who's out of work. So if you are out of work, a lot of times I advise people to sort of, there's a block of time. We got to account for that. We got to put that on your resume. Were you, you know, stay at home mom? Fine. Okay. Um, You know, various freelance jobs while pursuing graduate degree. Okay. A year to travel. (laughs) Whatever it is, you know, global travel, that's all okay. One of the things I often tell candidates is 
that I think is a really great thing is if they've worked while they've been in college, in addition to their summer work, is to sort of put on their resume work experience and then work experience while in school or internships Mm. while in school. So someone goes, aha, this is someone who not only went to school and got a great GPA or whatever, did all these activities, blah, 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 but they also had internships and jobs. I think it's important to figure out how to best present yourself. And that's where I come in, is really helping people figure out how to put their best foot forward and feel good about it, feel supported about it, and try. And at the end of the day, I'm a big believer if something doesn't work, we'll change it. Yeah. And I think LinkedIn is a litmus test. If you put your resume together and we think it looks great, you put it out there and you're not getting any bites, guess what? We got to shift something. We got to take it off. We got to figure it out. We got to look at it again and change it. And I think technology is moving so quickly that it's okay every three, four, five, six months to keep changing it anyway. Right. You know, you want to be relevant. And also, I think it's very important to reemphasize the fact that your relationships, no matter where they are, are one of your biggest assets. I have a lot of people that say, well, I want to do this on my own. I don't want anybody's help. I hear that and I think, really, then good then luck. You really are exactly. You really <laughs> are going to experienced person because right. everybody needs everybody's help. Thank you. You really are going to end up in that pile, 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 pile of all the cold calls, you know, without differentiating yourself or maybe without having someone that you know, that you know, that you know worked at the place or the industry. You know, I think it's just something that, like Bevan said before, losing the ego. And not being afraid of putting yourself in the door through whoever contact you might have or whomever you might have. I got to tell you, if I decide I want something, the first thing I do is tell every single person I meet. If I'm in the line at, in line at the grocery store and somebody's like, are you going first? I'm like, hey, I'm starting a new company. Do you want to hear about it? You know what I mean? I want everybody to know because you don't know who they're going to connect you with in the long run and who they're going to share with. And it's like the more people that know, the more, the more of a chance... And Margie, you also mentioned before too about follow-up and thank you notes. Yes. Can you, in your terms, because I can say it in my terms, <laughs> but explain the importance yes. of post-interview or call. And we want to get into a second portion of this podcast that goes into that process. But still, even when you do reach out to an employer, just even sending them follow-up. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Brittany. A thank you note needs to follow up and it shouldn't be five days later. It should be the next day while you're still top of mind. Mm -hmm. You should not let it go further than that. And what do you say in a thank you note? Really, the thank you note can be very concise and precise. Dear blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much for making time in your schedule to meet with me. I would say something personal about like what you talked about. It was such a pleasure learning about blah, 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 blah. So glad I was able to connect with you and discuss this in my history. And then I would say, I look forward to hearing from you regarding next steps. Thank you very much. You know, something along those lines. Right. Thank you. This is what we connected about. I look forward to hearing from you. Those are the three things that need to come through in the thank you note. And it's got to be within 24 hours. Yeah. Do you suggest for them? Yeah. Do you suggest that's a big telltale sign. If someone doesn't send a thank you note right away, I kind of like, don't think. Yeah. I don't get it. I I really don't get it. I have great conversations with these girls and men as well. And then it's like, poof, they're gone. 
where'd you go? Like mm-hmm. if I didn't write a thank you note growing up, Babs with Levine would have, I would have, you know. Oh, my mother so too. So much trouble. Yeah, so too. much trouble. So much trouble. But those are great skills. Write a thank you note. And I think these are skills, unfortunately, they're disappearing. It's not that hard. No. It's not that hard to write a thank you note. I think, again, with technology, people forget that there's a protocol and an etiquette and that's appropriate to write a thank you note. I always try in most situations to put the next steps in my own hand I in agree. some way, like, like in taking control. Do you suggest that in that thank you note being like the next steps are all follow up with you and well, X amount of days? Where you are, you know, if you're interviewing with human resources and l- let me break this down for you. So let's say you're going to a company. First step is usually human resources. OK, they're the toll booth and they've been given the job description. And they have an idea of what they think they need and what they want. And they're going to interview a myriad of candidates, step one. So it's a little bit more of a general thank you note. You can't really go back to that person and say, dear, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to, you know, I'm available next Wednesday through Friday. But what you can say in that particular note is, I really enjoyed meeting with you. And I I learned so much about this opportunity. It really fits well with my background. And I'm available, you know, I can make myself available at any time. That kind of thing. I look forward to hearing back from you. You're a little bit kind of beholden to them, right? Mm -hmm. Once you get to the next step, let's say they say, okay, Brittany, we'd like you to come back and meet Jim. Now that you've met with Jim and that interview seems to go well and you're interested, I would reach back out to him and say, thank you so much, Jim. It was really, you know, based on everything I learned in human resources and speaking to you, this sounds terrific. We mentioned meeting with Bob and Sue in the next few weeks. I'm available, blah, blah, blah. I look forward to hearing back or I'd like to follow up with you. I'll shoot you an email or I'll respond via email, you know, and give them specific dates and time. That's fine. But human resources is a little bit more yeah. difficult. And sometimes, to be honest, human resource people kind of get pissed off at that because they're dealing with so many jobs and so many people. And so they're kind of like appropriate to see a thank you note. Please don't continue to follow up. <laughs> That's really the truth. How do you feel about exclamation points? Oh. Gosh, that is such a good question for me. (laughs) First of all, I am the exclamation point queen and I have to edit myself because I come across sounding like a freakazoid. (laughs) Me too. Like I'm so happy and I'm like, I'm a chew. But by nature, that's kind of how I feel. But I have pulled back on that a little bit. I mean, if you're writing a professional email where you have sort of a relationship with this person and you can sort of make a little bit of a joke or sort of a, it's okay. But be careful of exclamation points. Like they one. Can get you in trouble. One. You can send me an, I'll tell you this right now, Bev, you can send me an email with a hundred exclamation points. And I do. I personally will love them because I do the same thing, but it's not appropriate in business. It really isn't. And that's also, that's an, a very good point. Knowing what's appropriate in business and what's appropriate not in business in an email. The other thing I I wanted to mention, I think we talked a little bit before about all the virtual interviewing and I'm doing all this e-meeting, you know, all that stuff is so different from how we're used to meeting candidates. I mean, we are all working virtually. So all my interviews now are via Zoom or FaceTime. And right away, I'm learning that interviewing this way is very different than interviewing in person. Mm-hmm. We're going to hold that for episode okay. two. We're going to hold that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Cause also, we're going to go through all of that. 
I think the only thing that we, there was maybe one other question because we talked about follow-up. We talked about thank you notes. We didn't touch upon just the cover letter in differentiating yourself to those people in human resources, to the people that are getting thousands and thousands of resumes. Are there things that should stand out in that cover letter if a company asks for one? Yes. I don't know if a company will ask for a cover letter. Usually you see a job online that you, it says we're hiring and you want to apply to it. So right away in the subject of the cover letter, if you're doing it online, I I might, you know, say, dear so-and-so, or it might be to whom it may concern, I'm applying for and list the specific job right up front. Do not go further than that before listing that. And then I would give them a few sentences as to what makes you an appropriate candidate for that what experience you have that pertains to that, and maybe special skills that relate to something that comes up in the job description, period, end. And then if there's something that you can say that I'm very familiar with the company and here's what you know about that, or I have friends and family who may have worked there, or if there's a person that you know that you can, that has said, hey, Bevan, use my name, Mm -hmm. you can certainly put it there and then give them all your contact information and you look forward to hearing back. Unfortunately, Cover letters are a tough thing. You know, it's it's like entering a void. You don't know if you're getting a response, if you're just responding online to a job. But if you have a personal contact or someone who gave you a name right in the head, hi, Margie Strauss gave me your contact information and told me to reach out. Let them know that you were referred by somebody. When you're writing a cover letter to a particular job that a company is running, short and sweet, make sure your grammar is correct. Make sure your your format is correct. Make sure that it's concise and well stated. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, again, is sort of like if you do a million of them, you'll get two responses. Great. But also Not differentiating easy. each one to what you're applying to is Absolutely. Well. <laughs> right, just, right away. The first right. sentence. La- laziness will use- show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Laziness comes across, especially if you spell my name with a T-T-A-N-Y versus an anyway. Brittany's oh, coming for you. It. She's coming for you. And you're making a very good point. First of all, if you are writing to a specific person, spell their name correctly. Yes. Make sure the company address is correct and the name of the company is correct. Make sure that you've done your homework about that company so that you can speak in one sentence. I'm applying to Viacom because. Right. Or I am really impressed with the work you do based on blah. Let them know that you're following them. You've done your research. Right. It's not just out there in a void. You want to make sure that they know that you know. Yeah. Well, I haven't written a cover letter in a very, very long time. I do write pitches. And in order to write a pitch, you really have to hit them right off the bat with what it is and why you're great and why this is going to make an, why you're going to make an excellent candidate and really separating yourself. I think people are afraid to boast about themselves a little bit. I agree. You have to show who you are and explain those characteristics because no one's going to get it unless you do. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I think when you said about boasting, and I know we've talked about that a little bit, that's why it's great to put your team together. That's why you need either somebody like me or a mentor or a big sister or brother or a family contact and someone who really says, hey, this is what I've noticed about you. And this is what makes you different. And this is why you should apply. And sometimes it's just putting yourself out there a little bit. And then you sort of get some traction. And once you get a little bit of traction, whether you get a job or not, you kind of feel better about it. And then you move on from there. I think one of the things that I do a lot of is interview prepping and then reviewing after the interview, what went well, what didn't go well, what we're going to change. 
and really addressing some of those elephants in the room. How do you handle something? Like, I've been out of work for two years. How do I explain that on an interview? Or I had a health issue and that's why there's a break. What do I say? Or things that come up or I've, I've worked with the same boss twice and I resigned. To, like, how do you get over those things? And those are things we talk about before you go on an interview. And my advice with any of these kinds of situations is be direct, be upfront, make it your own, say it first before it becomes a question of somebody else's. Own it. Don't let them question you. You address it right at the get-go. Sorry, I got distracted for a second because I was looking for this quote desperately from Glennon Doyle, who, you know, is my hero. Actually, it was Maya Angelou who said it first. Modesty is a learned affectation. You don't want modesty. You want humility. Humility comes from the inside out. So we don't have to be modest. We need to focus on humility. There's a big difference in those two things. Agreed. I'm just going to give you this really quickly. The word humility derives from the Latin word blah, 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 because I can't say that, which means of the earth. To be humble is to be grounded in knowing who you are. It implies the responsibility to become what you were meant to become, to grow, to reach, to fully bloom as high and strong and grand as you were created to. It's not honorable for a tree to wilt and shrink and disappear. It's not honorable for a woman to either. Hence, with being modest, if we are not grounded in knowing who we are, we are not our true selves. We make ourselves disappear, don't want people to feel uncomfortable around us, and therefore we like to please them constantly. Actually, nobody wins with this behavior, and it's unpleasant to see people shrink, both men and women. I really like that. And I'll, I'll just reiterate again, it, it is really helpful to see when you are looking to work with someone long-term that they're very interested, that they're persistent, that they really would do anything for the job. And that's knowing the company that's willing to immerse yourself in anything having to do with the job. I mean, I remember being an assistant and I just do anything to get in the door. I really didn't care right. if I was working all night long. I It's just getting in the door and making those relationships. And those very same people, it's so funny that I worked with at Elite Traveler Magazine, which was my first like professional job and those internships before that, I still am working with today and still know today. It just is crazy how the world goes around. So we've kept in contact. We know each other. They're so supportive. It's very beneficial because... That was my first job. I didn't know where it was going to go. I had no idea. But I think you made a very good point also about being willing to do any and everything. And I don't think enough recent grads are willing to do any and everything. And I think that really separates the wheat from the shaft. The what from the what? The wheat from the shaft. Oh, like the wheat. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I I won't forget that one for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think I think it's really important. It, it says a lot about who you are. And I think people feel it's beneath them or it's going to look bad on a resume or it's a little belittling or no, someone's going to judge me. The only thing any intelligent person is going to do when they see that is say, wow, this person's a worker. This mm-hmm. person is ready. This person is responsible and is willing to roll up their sleeves and do whatever it takes to get experience and exposure and learn. Those are my people. My people too. I worked 14 hour days in college on One Tree Hill as an extra before they gave me my first line. And I'll tell you this, when they asked me to shake my pom-pom, like I took it so seriously, nobody shook it harder. And they were like, cross this frame. I was like, I will cross it so hard. Watch me cross this frame. And eventually they started to write for me. You know what I mean? Like all these things, just showing the kind of person you are day one, being willing to do anything. One more question for you, Margie. We talked about this before about temp work and not being opposed to this idea. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So my agency does both permanent placement and temporary placement, which has been great because over the years, what's happened is sometimes candidates who are looking for a very specific permanent role can keep working. But what I will say to you about temp, especially now in this economy, is temp work, first of all, puts a paycheck in your hand for one. And it allows you to try something on without committing. You're not marrying the job. So you kind of get to see it from somebody who's on the ground working it. And, you know, one of the things I say to all my candidates is everybody can hold it together for an interview or two or three. But when you're on a job, you get to really see the ins and outs, the vibe, what really goes on here. And before you commit, you get to sort of say, do I really want to be here? And you get to sort of make contact so that when you do get hired, you know the playing field already. I think temp is a great way to try things on. I think especially to your point earlier, um, Bev, about changing careers, temp is a great way to do it. Mm. To sort of say, listen, you know, I worked in cosmetics, but I think I'm interested in finance. Get a temp job. And don't be embarrassed of being a receptionist or an assistant. Learn. You get to see and observe and watch and understand how things are done. It's a great way to work. And if you trust in your work ethic, I always believe if I can get in any room, I can win people over. If you give me a shot, I don't even care if I'm the one making the copies, whatever it is, like get me in the room. I'll win you over eventually. I'm going to show you how hard I work. I think that's a great attitude. And I think we're all going back to the same point, which is how you feel about yourself. Mm. And I think that's where it all starts and ends. So you've got to really feel good about who you are, know that you have something to offer put something together, work with people that are going to help you make that better before you enter the workforce and putting your team together. I think, you know, we've said it throughout a million things, getting the right doctor team together, getting the right life team together, getting the right job team together. It's really important. Everybody's unique and different and finding people who see that as an asset is really what you need. That is a nice little button on the end, Margie. Yeah, Yeah. this is just a funny question. But do you think, Margie, that a scented resume really gives you a little something extra? (laughs) Oh, God. I have to tell you. Hard no. (laughs) I have had candidates do crazy things like scented isn't even that crazy. I had a candidate once who went on an interview, was in final stages. And I, I don't even want it was a big media conglomerate. Okay. This is amazing. Final stage is working for a major, major person. Okay. Went five rounds. This guy says, I'm going to hire her. We, we were, we're like dancing in our seats. We're like high-fiving each other. All of us that we've been working on the whole thing. We're like, she's going to get this job. It's going to be so good. Okay. He's like, I just want to have her come in so I can shake her hand and offer her the job in person to her directly. I'm getting okay? so nervous. She goes in for this final round. We've all said now, and now, you know, after you've been on five interviews, how many times can you say, are you dressed appropriately? Do you feel, you know, make sure you're there 10 minutes or like all the things that we would normally say. She gets there. We get a, we get a call from human resources, like 10 minutes later. It's like, did you see her? I'm like, what, what happened? She goes in to you know, wrap up with the guy. And he says, I'm so happy. We think you're terrific. Is there anything you feel that we need to know about you? She takes out a fake mustache. Wait, puts it on and says, just want you to know I have a sense of humor. Nope. Nope. He was, I mean, he was so flipped out. He's like, I can't hire her. She's a freak. That's, yeah. 
What? That's so random, too. No, no, you don't understand. Okay. I hear and see every random. I know I'm everybody's sure secrets, do. everybody's crazies, every I'm, client's crazy. I mean, all of that. Give so, them to you. We want everyone to come to you. Give them your, <laughs> your crazy. And, and that is somebody, you know what? It, yeah. you know, now that I think about it, so what I've learned from that is what I say to candidates in the final stages. I said, I know you've been there a million times. I know you feel really comfortable, like you're already part of the team. But it's still an interview. Right. Remember that. Right. Be well, warm. Be gracious. Don't do anything foolish. Right. Save the mustache well, for a year in. Oh, Once oh you bro- don't save it. For, I mean, there are times where I've said to people like, "You got to change your hair color. You got to take off that lipstick. You can't wear that outfit." I mean, I really get in with them in terms of like. Depending on the type of job, we completely get it. And that's why, Margie, we want to continue this conversation because it is so important. And we know all of you are at very similar stages or have newly graduated and are a little lost, but not to worry because Margie, we have you. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. And we will continue this and then also put up some of your templates. Yeah. We're going to talk about how we can get those to you guys if you want them and connect directly to Margie after this episode so that she can be your very godmother for very job mother. Very cute. Oh, we just found out. We just found a title. The title. (laughs) There we go. Okay. Margie, thank you so much. Thank you, Margie. We'll talk soon. Thank you guys. It was such a pleasure speaking to both of you. 